Writing fiction, unlike writing a memoir or writing in your diary can sometimes reveal astonishing truths. Sometimes we have to write a lot to make sense of the cruelties and kindnesses of our past. I know this to be true. Just recently I had a revelation. Only now with time to consider the similarities in the three books I self-published in 2018 and 2019 do I see the obvious. The central theme of my three books, The Pentagram Woman, The Thunder Egg Speaks, and Shelf Argon are about kidnapping. I'd always assumed I'd gotten over the kidnapping. I guess not. 36 years ago, my sons were removed from their home and taken to a new state, then unbeknownst to me, separated from each other, one living with my husband's parents and the other living with his brother. For nearly a year, I had no contact with my children, no idea where my husband had taken them. I suspected they were back with his family but didn't have the means of knowing for sure. Before the kidnapping, my husband had been hurt when I asked for a divorce. In his pain, he didn't even consider the children's well-being, he just wanted to hurt me. At the time, I had no car. The cars we owned were his because I couldn't afford to make the payments on even one of them. The payments were more than my rent. I made poverty wages. I slept on the floor on a cheap thin mattress. Soon after moving into the apartment, I transported an old black and white television on the city bus to my new home. I had yet to install a telephone. Even living on poverty wages without many comforts, the idea of living on my own as a free woman gave me so much pleasure. At the time, all I wanted to do was write. My husband and my family often teased me about wanting to go to college. No one in my family had ever gone to college. I kept my real reason for wishing to go to college to myself. I'd already accepted the fact that writers didn't make much money. Some were lucky. Most were not. Better to marry a rich man. I ignored this oft-repeated advice from my mother and married the first man I thought would make a good husband. There was only one person in my family who wanted to be a writer, my grandmother. She took a writing correspondence course through the mail and worked diligently to finish the program. I admired her so much. She started writing late in life and didn't have a chance to finish her book. Although she managed to publish an article in a sporting magazine about her son, my uncle, who spent a traumatic day tracking down a deer he'd wounded while bow hunting. I was so proud of her. She gave me her old typewriter. She was the only one in my family who encouraged me to go to college. Somehow arguments against college from my family and the fact I had little money convinced me to postpone the dream of going to college and becoming a writer. It took another 20 years before I got up the courage to go to college and a further 10 to publish what I'd written. But back then, 36 years ago, when I decided to leave my husband and live nearby, I had a foolish hope all would turn out for the best. It didn't. It turned into a year-long nightmare. My husband promised to bring my sons to me over Mother's Day weekend. I guess he thought choosing that weekend to run away would send a strong message. Oh, yes. The message was received. Unfortunately, the nightmare of that year, not knowing where my children were, being lied to by his family and not having the money to hire someone to find them cut so deep into my psyche I realize I'm still grieving even today. Back then there was no such thing as Amber Alert. But even if there had been, the culture would have prevented me from going to the authorities. I had separated from my husband. I was the bad person. I also knew from my own poverty-stricken childhood that the boys would be far better off with my husband. He could afford to give them all the good things in life they deserved. Or so I thought. Now, I'm not so sure. After declining the divorce papers giving him custody of our sons, 
He signed the divorce papers giving me custody so long as he didn't have to pay child support. After our divorce was official, I collected my sons and returned home. Over the years, we struggled, but at least we were together. Looking back, I finally figured out both my ex-husband and I made a lot of foolish mistakes. Although having the boys wasn't one of them. They are the best thing to come out of our marriage. While writing this piece, I realized my coping skill is to symbolically try to make amends for my past and current mistakes. Like many writers I find connections in the oddest places. After writing about the baby birds past and present, I had to do something to assuage my guilt. I found a way. I bought three birdhouses and put them in the backyard. Making amends. As I go out each morning to admire the spring weather, I'm disappointed to discover no birds have taken up residence in these houses. This morning I juxtaposed my disappointment over the birdhouses with the kidnapping. Weird, I know. The birdhouses symbolize my grief and guilt. There are three birdhouses, I have two sons. One of the birdhouses is separated completely from the other two. My lilac branches are the reason for this separation, but I'm seeing a connection between myself and my sons. So why do I still grieve? Why do I still include kidnapping in my fiction? Because the memory of my terror at not knowing where my sons were and my fears for their safety have been resurrected by the family separations taking place today. Instead of a husband punishing a disobedient wife, these current family separations are being perpetrated by our own government. I can only conclude that nothing has really changed since 1983. Perhaps something good came out of this nightmare. Maybe, I'm just trying to convince myself something good can come out of it. One thing I do know, my sons are strong, good and kind men. I am so proud of them. Still, I will probably mourn the loss of that missing year for the rest of my life, as I'm sure, these poor families are mourning the loss of their missing children.